Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union could help you to earn more and save more. Their certificate options could earn you more than standard savings accounts with competitive rates. Not all financial institutions offer you as many choices for savings options as Navy Federal does. For example, you can start your savings journey with a low minimum deposit, add money at any time, and watch your savings grow. Thanks to flexible terms, you can use Navy Federal savings options for all kinds of goals, short or long term. Navy Federal also offers equity loan options to help you get the funds you need to consolidate high-interest debt, work on home improvements, or cover any of life's big expenses. To learn more, visit NavyFederal.org. At Navy Federal, their members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender, membership required. Terms and conditions apply, loan subject to approval. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Hala talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well, what better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling, because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I am Matt. And today we are answering your listener questions. That's right, Joel. We are answering listener questions. We've got five of them, like we always do, buddy. We've got a follow-up question from our work-life balance episode. We're going to share our thoughts on student loan refinancing, as well as uh, we've got a question about Fundrise specifically. So excited to get to those, as well as two more on this episode. It's going to be good. I always love taking listener questions, buddy. But before we get to those, I wanted to let you know that I recently took advantage of an online savings account bonus. Sign up bonus. Yeah, one of those sign up bonuses. Nice. If, if I open an account at a bank and then leave that money there for 90 days, I get this sweet sign up bonus at the end of that 90 days. What if you had pulled it out at like 89? Like, <laughs> I bet they would have been like, nope, sorry, you don't get your bonus. Well, that's what it comes down to actually. In, in the recent stock market turmoil, I've kind of had this desire to do more investing and have less cash on the sidelines. And I was in this kind of dilemma of I've already put the money there. I've opened the account. I've done the work. Do I keep it there and get this bonus or do I start kind of putting the money in the market? 
and take advantage of the fact that the market has been down, right? And um, and yeah, I'm not going to lie. It's a hard decision. I ended up leaving my money in place. And I'm going to get that bonus. But Matt, these are the, the questions that us money nerds have from time to time. And <laughs> there's not always a right answer. And for me, I'm just, my, my bias, my tendency is towards dollar cost averaging. And so while I did take advantage of like funding a Roth while the market was down for my wife and I, I'm okay with kind of passing up potential bigger stock market gains um, while I'm just kind of earning that paltry sign-up bonus. But yeah, those aren't easy questions for us, right? That's the that's the phrase. A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush, right? <laughs> like true. there's a chance for you know outsized returns, but like the fact is, like a lot of this comes down to just us not knowing what's going to happen. And so as individuals that are trying to be smart with our money, like that's what we can do. Just be smart with our money. Like we know the things that we need to do that make the most sense. And in so many situations, it's a matter of making that decision and, and not really looking back, you know, and, and not beating ourselves up over what could have been because there's no way of knowing what the market would have done. And if you think you know what the market's going to do, well, you're probably going to be wrong because <laughs> you're, you're just timing the market and it's impossible to time the market versus being methodical and, and sticking to a plan of investing. But thanks for sharing that, you know, and I think a lot of our listeners might be in a similar situation where they're like, well, like, where do, where do I actually invest? You know, now that I've got my stimulus check money, uh, I don't want to spend it all. I'm going to make sure I'm doing some smart stuff with it. Make those informed decisions. And uh, yeah, just don't look back. Yeah. And so much of it also comes down to what your investment philosophy is. And it can be nice to reap the rewards of a down market. We're going to talk soon about investing when the market is experiencing volatility and what that should look like. And so much of that does involve having a written plan so that you can make a decision based on fact rather than emotion. But yeah, I figured I'd bring that up because I know those are the kind of nerdy dilemmas. Nerdy that, dilemmas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people like us face. All right, man, let's go ahead and introduce the beer that we're going to enjoy this episode. Uh, we have a beer called Fog of War, which is a New England style IPA. And this isn't by some giant corporate brewery. This is a this is a home brewer called Easy Chair Brewing Garage. And this is brewed by a friend of the show, Jess. He, uh, he lives here locally and he was able to drop some of these off over at your place. Yeah. So yeah, big thanks to Jess. Looking forward to trying this one. Always love a good homebrew. And it's not often enough that I get to, to try it because I don't homebrew myself. So that's right. Got to find a friend who does it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we'll talk about our thoughts on this one at the end of the episode. But Matt, on to the listener questions. Let's get to it. Uh, for folks that want to submit a listener question to be considered for a future episode, we would love to hear from you. Just go to howtomoney.com slash ask. It's super easy to submit your own voice question for the show. And Matt, the first one that we're going to tackle today is about investing more in the market or in real estate. Hmm. Sounds yet again like a, a similar nerdy dilemma. Yeah, that's what we're best at tackling. <laughs> Hi, guys. This is Josh from Los Angeles, California. I had a question that I was hoping you guys could help me out with. I currently have a Roth IRA account that I put $150 a month into. I'm not maxing out my contribution each year. And my question is, should I put more money into my Roth IRA before investing in other avenues. I currently just started a Fundrise account with $1,000 and it's really kind of exciting to um, invest in this area. And I'm just kind of wondering what I should do with um, my finances as far as investing goes. If you guys could help me out with that, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Josh, thanks so much for that question. And let's go ahead and just cut straight to it. Yes, definitely put more in your Roth IRA before exploring other avenues. Uh, maxing out your Roth is the easiest and the most proven way to invest your money. You know, that being said though, we, like we do agree with you though, investing in real estate, it is exciting. Uh, but online real estate investing, it's not our first choice for would-be real estate investors. Even though Fundrise, you know, it is one of the best online real estate platforms in our opinion. 
Yeah, man, I totally agree with you. Roth IRA is the first priority. I would funnel more of your money there until you start exploring other avenues. But if you really want to get into real estate investing, we prefer for you to consider a couple of other ways of approaching it too. That's because the fundrise fees, although they're low compared to their competitors, they're still high in our opinion. And also there are potential liquidity issues with non-publicly traded REITs. A REIT is a real estate investment trust. That's essentially what you're doing when you have an account with Fundrise. You're putting money into an E-REIT, a real estate investment trust that you're investing in online. And, and an E-REIT, that's that's Fundrise's term, right? Exactly. Like, it's yeah. like Kleenex versus tissue. Right, right, right. <laughs> but and, and there was a recent story, Matt, that I read in the Wall Street Journal and, and mentioned how some of these E-REIT companies aren't allowing investors to withdraw their money right now in a down market. If you read the fine print when you sign up for a company like Fundrise and you put your money in there, to be invested in various real estate endeavors. Well, you'll see that you don't have a full right to your money when you want it. With Fundrise in particular, you can redeem shares quarterly, but depending on how long you've been invested, you could owe a substantial penalty. So five years is the minimum window to avoid those additional withdrawal fees. That's why we prefer publicly traded REITs. They just don't have the fine print associated with them. There's a lot more liquidity when you invest in real estate inside of a publicly traded REIT as opposed to an e-REIT company. Yeah, Joel, with those publicly traded REITs that you can get through uh, a brokerage in the open market through someone like Fidelity or Vanguard, you buy and you hold those just like you would with, you know, say, a total stock market fund. The difference between a site like Fundrise and with buying publicly traded REITs is that you're buying a much broader publicly traded real estate portfolio and the associated costs are going to be much, much lower. Uh, and not to mention, the publicly traded REITs are often more diversified than an e-REIT alternative. So Vanguard, for for example, they've got a real estate fund, uh, VNQ. Within that one fund, there are a couple hundred different companies, which they themselves have vast real estate holdings just all across the country. And so there is a massive amount of diversification there. And again, because it's publicly traded, you can buy and sell that fund at will. VNQ, that specific fund, it's actually an ETF. And so you can purchase those just like you would a regular stock. Yeah, Matt, the ETF V&Q that you just mentioned, widely diversified. The opposite of being diversified is owning one home in a specific location. <laughs> but we still really like that route too. So another thing for Josh to consider, right, as he wants to get into real estate is to become a mom and pop landlord. Buying actual property and renting it out to real people is one of the best ways to invest in real estate. It's going to be the most profitable, right. typically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the most hands-on, which means it isn't for everyone. But yes, it can be the most profitable too. Of course, the need for cash up front is higher. You're going to need a more substantial down payment. But the returns on owning and managing rentals, if done well, are great. Uh, and it's a great goal to have if you've got the real estate bug. We would say, though, if you're making that decision between a Roth or Fundrise, that the Roth should definitely take priority. And then if you want to invest in real estate, uh, if you want to do it the easy way, go with a publicly traded REIT. If you want to do it the hard but potentially more rewarding way, then go with an individual property, uh, whether it's a single family home or a duplex, triplex near where you live. But yeah, Josh, best of luck to you as you continue investing. And I do hope that you get into real estate investing soon because it's been great for Matt and I. And Josh, one final thing, because you can trade these publicly traded REITs on exchanges and platforms like Vanguard and Fidelity, you can actually purchase these funds within your Roth IRA. So you can actually own real estate 
within your, your Roth IRA with all the tax advantages that it has. And so if you're interested in real estate, but you're also kind of torn because you're thinking about, you know, you know that you should probably max out your Roth IRA. Well, in addition to your S&P 500 index fund or your total stock market fund, maybe start looking at putting VNQ or some of these other REITs within your Roth IRA and you've got the best of both worlds. Yeah. All right, Matt, we got more questions to cover, including what to do with income from a house that you just sold. Speaking of real estate, and we'll get to that and more right after the break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wise friend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, 
Well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, Matt, we're back. We got more questions to cover. And the first one is what to do with income from a house that you just sold. Hey, guys, this is Mac from Louisiana, and I've been going through some pretty big but good life changes lately. Last fall, I went back to school for a second career option, uh, still working full time and selling my house by owner. Last month, mid-month, I got married and then we came home from our weekend to a single income household. I will be unable to work at least for the next couple months. And good news is I sold the house and I have a decent sized check coming my way. I'm not sure what to do with that money. I will need access to it in the next five to 10 years because we may move and reinvest in a different area. Also, the next two years, I need some of that money for school and just not sure where to put it. Uh, with interest rates being as they are, not sure how to get a return on something short term. So hope everybody's staying healthy. And I really appreciate you doing this podcast so much. Thanks. Hey, Mac. Thanks so much for that question. And we appreciate it. We are staying healthy. So far, so good. And we, we hope you are as well. And, you know, by the way, it sounds like you've been super busy. <laughs> Congrats on getting married and selling your house. But of course, we are sorry to hear that you lost your job. That The check from the sale of your house will be huge in helping you get through this time of being a one income household. You know, we're not sure if you can fully afford your lifestyle on one income or not. But hopefully you can. And also, too, it sounds like this might be, uh, you know, maybe a temporary job loss due to the coronavirus. And so, again, hopefully you'll be back to work before you know it. Yeah, And hopefully you've been able to apply for those increased unemployment benefits. And I hope that that's helping smooth the path as well for you right now. And Mac, your, your question really centers around getting a return on short term money and getting a decent return on short term money is not easy. And the recent economic instability has lowered interest rates for borrowers. But it's hurt savers at the same time. Savings rates at the big banks are still basically almost non-existent, Matt. 0.01% is... I don't the, like that. It's, it's really bad. There, there's not a chance that I want to put my money with a big bank who's paying that low of a rate. But online banks have had to slash their rates a good bit too. And that's our, our favorite place to bank is, is some of the great online banks. The top online banks right now are offering a return of roughly 1.5%. But that could even shrink more soon. Who knows? The great news is that if you decide to borrow for school, there's a good chance that you'll get a low rate on student loans when you borrow money too. So taking on debt for your education might not be a bad idea when it comes down to it. So, Mac, for you, the question comes down to, you know, what should you do with that money? And for you, it, it might make sense to kind of split the difference. Take some of that money and invest it. Uh, you can fund Roth IRAs for, for you and your spouse. 
And then you can keep the rest in an online savings account that pays you know, a decent rate of interest. The great thing is that if you need that Roth money, you do have access to those contributions if it turns out that you need it in five to 10 years. But you know, if you don't, you can keep it invested. And that's certainly what we would prefer that you do. It's best to keep some flexibility here since it sounds like you are in a life stage where who knows what may happen next. We're not totally sure what you're going back to school for, but it's also worth considering you might be able to use that money for some seed money to maybe even start your own business if you are entrepreneurial minded. Yeah. And the Roth, Matt, is that perfect, flexible vehicle where you can withdraw those contributions. And of course, you know, there's a, a chance you could lose lose money in that in the short term. But ultimately, if you won't need that money for the next five to 10 years, then having at least some of that money in a Roth for your future with the flexibility of being able to pull those contributions out. I love that. And, and keep the rest that you absolutely need on hand for cash reserves. Keep that in an online savings account, but you're just not going to get a great return there. All right. Thanks for listening to Mac. Joel, our next question has to do with student loans. Hey, Joe. Hey, Matt. This is Edgar Lopez from San Fernando Valley, south of Los Angeles. Hope you and your family are doing well and staying safe. I want to thank you both because you guys have always given great advice to your listeners. I'm reaching out because I want to know what you guys think about refinancing your student loans to get a lower interest rate. I know interest rate has dropped for business loans, but I'm not sure whether it will apply to me if I want to refinance or or consolidate my student loans. I currently have 12 small federal student loans averaging to a 4% interest rate and my bill just kicked in in January of this year. I look forward to hearing what you guys think. Have a good one, you guys. Edgar, thanks for the question. And yeah, hope you're staying safe out there on the West Coast as well, man. Let's get into your question. Refinancing a student loan right now? Well, it could be a good idea for some people, but it's not going to make sense for everyone. Edgar, since you have federal loans with such a low interest rate, it's probably best just to keep things the way they are. Joe, this makes me think, do, do you and Emily have some student loans? I remember at some point in the past, it sounded like y'all had like a tiny little bit of student loans left. We still have. The oh, do you really? Amount. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say they're gone. No, but the, the interest rate is so low, we have... Are you going to refinance? <laughs> no, because <laughs> like, there's not much to refinance. Yeah. Uh, we'll pay it off probably in the next year just with the, the minimum monthly payments. But it just doesn't make sense for us to prioritize paying it off faster because the interest rate is just so ridiculously low. I want to say it's in the ones. I'd have to go back and look. If not, it's in the low twos. But yeah, it's so low. Crazy low. Yeah, that we're just not not prioritizing it. Yeah. Well, in addition to that too, like federal student loans, if you have them, like they offer benefits that private student loans that they don't have, that they can't offer. And in fact, right now, federal student loan holders, they don't have to pay on their loans until October, thanks to some of those provisions in the CARES Act. Uh, this isn't the case for folks that have private student loans. And federal loans have increased hardship, forbearance, and income-based repayment options as well. Private loans, man, they have very little to no flexibility when it comes to their repayment plans. Yeah, Matt, that's why we have a guide for people uh, that gets into the specifics of refinancing when you should, when you shouldn't on our website. And we'll include that link in the show notes. Despite the drawbacks, refinancing into a private student loan will make sense for some people if you can get a much lower interest rate, right? With more of your payment going towards principal, then you'll be paying off that loan more quickly and paying less in overall interest, more of that money does go towards the principal. But it's also important to note that refinancing into a private student loan is something that's not reversible. Once it's done, it's done. You can never go back into the federal student loan program, and therefore you can never gain back some of those benefits and provisions that are included in the federal student loan program. Private student loans are just less forgiving. So you have to make sure that it's a solid win before you actually do it. And I think specifically for Edgar, with the low rates he currently has in the federal program, I don't think there's really a move to be made for him. 
All right, Joel, we've got a couple more questions. One about work-life balance, uh, as well as one about investing. Not investing too aggressively, but also not being too conservative. We'll get to both of those right after the break. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you to get there? Well, there are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. What about that dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simons on the calendar. Pump for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host. Or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Let's say you've been listening to the podcast and now you're finally ready to start implementing some of the uh, the financial morsels that we're dishing up. Maybe you are trying to save up some more money for a down payment on a house, or maybe there's a big vacation that you have been dying to take. Well, the money app Monarch, they make it so easy to help you to reach your financial goals. That's why the Wall Street Journal, they named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, collaborate with your partner even. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. And you won't get spammed either. Monarch features ad-free privacy you can trust. They will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. That's right, man. And after trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. It just makes sense. It works. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash howtomoney. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. 
Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. All right, Matt, we're back from the break. We got more questions. And the next one is a follow-up from our recent episode on work-life balance. Hey, guys. I'm Emily from Canada. Big fan of the show. I love every single episode. (laughs) I just finished listening to your work-life balance episode, and it really got me thinking. Um, My current job, I am making a really good salary, and there's a lot of really good benefits, but it's a bit of a toxic work environment. I'm stressed out all the time. I'm constantly facing burnout and it's really really negatively affecting my personal life and my personal well-being as as well. I've recently applied for a job uh, that's in a totally different direction, something that would let me use my skills to help people, to help the community and something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, The downside is that it's a really big pay cut from where I am right now, which does scare me a little bit, I'll be honest. Part of me thinks that, you know, if I take this lower paying job that makes me happy, then I'll have more energy to put into my side hustles and to put into myself to make every aspect of my life more successful. And then the other part of me, of course, is just so scared to take that leap and to try something completely different when I'm so used to being where I am right now. Uh, I am a good little saver and I do have a cushion of savings that I can fall back on in case anything does go wrong. But I've always been the person who makes the logical decision and not decisions with my heart or my emotions. (laughs) I'm really interested to hear what you guys think. Thanks so much. Hey, Emily, thanks so much for that question. And you know, it's a really great practice to be pragmatic and to make these decisions logically, right? Uh, But if we never followed our heart, would we even be alive? We'd just be computers. Uh, that doesn't sound like much fun to me. And of course, only not to mention the soul-crushing effects that your current job is having on you. Uh, it's great that it pays well, but a job that is going to lead to burnout like that, like that just is not going to be sustainable, right? Yeah, Matt, I feel like that brings up the question, should work be a passion? I think you and I both kind of come down somewhere in the middle. It's certainly nice when you like what you do, right? And prioritizing that is great. Uh, getting to do this podcast together. We've prioritized having fun with our work and we drink beer and we have a good time. And I feel like we have a nice amount of balance going on right now. Yeah, when we create <laughs> we create something we can truly be proud of and that's a lot of fun to make. But I'm not sure that work being a passion is always the most helpful way to think about it. Because even when you love your job, there are days that stink. And, and sometimes the specifics might not be all that exciting. But let's say the flexibility or the perks of that job might make that job perfect for having a family and getting home every night in time for dinner, right? The grass isn't always greener on the other side. So I think for Emily, it's important to make sure that she's accurately assessing things. And one majorly important question to ask is, is it the job that's truly the problem? Oftentimes a job can be the problem in our lives, right? It can be holding us back in a major way. It can be preventing creativity and it can be leading to burnout. But it is important to ask that question. And then if the answer is yes, if so, then it is time to start considering an escape route, I think. Yeah. And practically speaking, Emily, you're going to need a budget that reflects the newer job that pays less 
as well as savings that can help you to make that transition, right? So it's great that you have that cash cushion set aside. Uh, it's really hard for us to recommend bailing on a, a higher paying job for one that pays a heck of a lot less if you can't live on that income and if you don't have some savings to give you some breathing room. This is even more important considering the current economy and the position that a lot of folks are in. Yeah, it sounds like Emily is in a good position with her finances, with the savings. And, and if she can trim her budget to fit to the new income, then I think jumping ship from a job that is toxic and pursuing something that she's going to enjoy more makes a lot of sense because work is a huge portion of our lives. And if we can enjoy what we do every day, I mean, obviously that's huge. It's certainly good to have that as a priority. And Matt, too, I completely agree with Emily on what she said about the intellectual and work freedom that she'll potentially be able to get when she removes herself from a toxic work situation. Emily, I think you might find quickly yourself moving on to really interesting things when you get out of that suffocating work environment. It can be scary initially to make that leap, but once you get over the hurdle, you might find boundless energy for pursuing a side hustle, or you might move up the ranks quickly in this new gig because you're applying more than just work ethic. You're applying passion to something that you truly care about. Matt, I'll say too that it was scary for my wife, Emily, and I to go from two incomes to one, but we ran the math and we had savings. So it wasn't a blind leap. It was something that we knew we could handle, but it didn't make it easy. But that decision has had huge positive ramifications for our family. And so, Emily, if you can make this leap with those solid underlying financials underneath you to push you forward, then I would say do it. Make the jump. Yeah. You know, finding a job that gives you life instead of draining it from you. It's hard to put a price on that. And plus, Emily's listened to the show. So it sounds like she's heading in the right direction when it comes to personal finances. Right, buddy? Yeah, I, I think <laughs> uh, hopefully. <laughs> I don't think we've led her astray. Oh, I know we haven't, buddy. <laughs> there <laughs> was right. that one time. <laughs> there was that one episode where we gave terrible advice to everybody. But it was April 1st. So everybody <laughs> should have known that was an April Fool's episode. We, we should do that one of these days. <laughs> Just give the exact opposite advice that we would normally give. We really should. All right. We've got one more question about investing, specifically about the nuances of risk. Hey, Matt and Joel. This is Daniel coming to you from Bedford, New Hampshire. First, thank you both for the show and for your recent Friday updates. I'll be honest. I'm sometimes scared to listen to those updates because I'm afraid of what new information they might tell me. And it's very tempting to want to live in blissful ignorance. But I'm always grateful when I do listen because your advice and grounded approach keeps me feeling more sane and secure about the decisions I make. Here's my question. I'm 25 and have been investing primarily in a zero expense fee total stock mutual fund, both in my individual brokerage account and my Roth IRA. Right now, for obvious reasons, neither of those accounts are looking too hot, but my question actually extends beyond the current economic situation and looks more into the future. As I become an investor with, fingers crossed, more money invested in the market, I'm curious what the transition to a more conservative stock portfolio will look like. If I were to keep most of my investments in that same total stock index fund, I could see periods of extreme growth like we've had in the past decade. But if something occurs, whether that's a disease-related issue like we're having now, or some other financial instability, whatever gains I've made from that portfolio will naturally decrease on a scale proportional to whatever percentage loss it incurs. My question is, as I continue to hopefully see benefits from the historical trend of the stock market, what investment vehicles would you both recommend as a good place for a portion of the monetary gains? Right now, I'm taking advantage of an online high-interest savings account, thanks to your advice, which has a percentage yield of about 1.75%. But I'm wondering, 
like your general recommendation regarding total stock index funds as a good investment option, do you have a similar recommendation for middle ground investments that are less risky than the stock market, but less conservative than something like an online savings account? Thank you again for all your advice, your humor, and the good spirits during this time. I hope you're both doing well and staying safe. Daniel, thanks for your question. So glad the Friday episodes have been helpful for you. I got to be honest, Matt, doing those Friday episodes has been helpful for me. Oh, yeah. It's been really nice to be able to kind of talk about the week's events, what's happening, the the pros and the cons, and address them on, on the show. Yeah, I thought you were going to say that Friday episodes are your favorite. And, <laughs> you know, you always talk about how listener questions are your favorite, and I was going to make you pick. Matt, but, uh, everything is my favorite, okay? It's my favorite. I love it. I love it. Don't make me pick. I, I agree, man. Being able to address some of this timely information and how it pertains to us as you know, as podcast hosts and as dads and as investors, uh, but obviously to our listeners as well, I have found tremendous help in the value that we've been able to bring listeners. So if you have not already been listening to the Friday episodes, make sure that you check those out. Yeah, for sure. All right. But let's get on to Daniel's question. He's asking about middle ground investing options. And Daniel, you're right. Most people's investment accounts have taken a hit. But what's important to keep in mind is that the gains that you mentioned being erased have only been erased on paper unless you've actually sold stocks, unless you've actually sold positions in that total stock market fund that you're in while the market's down. So for you, if this bout of market turmoil has been hard to stomach, well, then let's talk about your best options because so much of this question comes down to personal risk tolerance, right? The best investment portfolio is not the one necessarily earning you the highest returns over your life. It's the one that can allow you to sleep well at night and to stay invested even when things aren't going quite your way. And Daniel, for you specifically, at your age, we would definitely prefer you to keep you know your money invested in that zero cost total stock market fund or maybe an S&P 500 fund. It will, over the decades, be the best place for you to keep money meant to use in your later years. By focusing on stocks primarily, you will be exposed to that risk and that volatility. But the thing is, therein lies the potential for the most growth. But like Joel mentioned, if you don't feel comfortable with that asset allocation, then you should factor more bonds into the mix. Yeah, Matt, what I think it comes down to, you know, Daniel mentioned a savings account, which just isn't paying all that much right now. He said 1.75. That's pretty high in the market at this point. Most savings accounts just don't pay out that much. And investing mostly in stocks, right? That comes with its risks as well. That comes with the volatility associated with it. There's just not a magic bullet middle ground for investors. Anything that takes you beyond that savings account or buying treasury bonds is going to add risk into your investing life. So target date funds, I think, are important to mention here. These funds automatically give you a mix of stocks and bonds. And specifically what they're meant for is for you to pick a date that is nearest when you will likely reach retirement age. And that fund will automatically allocate your assets so that you're invested more conservatively over time. And Daniel, for you, if you want less risk involved, you can choose an earlier target retirement fund date, which would ensure that you're invested even more conservatively. But, but if you want to grow a retirement nest egg, Matt and I would suggest, like you said earlier, Matt, more market exposure. The current market exposure that Daniel has, if he can sleep with it at night, is a good place for him to be. Yep, that's right, man. So we would encourage you to come up with an investment plan, Daniel, that you can live with and one that you can ride through these bear markets with while you continue to execute and invest. And so whether that's a more conservative 2040 fund, or maybe something a little more aggressive like a 2050, 2060 target date fund, or finding a way to tune out the news when markets are down, either way, market exposure is going to be crucial. And that will help you to build up that retirement nest egg. Just make sure that it's at a level that allows you to continue to dollar cost average 
during these booms and during these busts. Yeah, Matt, more than anything, what matters is the savings rate and continuing to invest no matter what through the years. And if 100% stock exposure doesn't allow you to sleep well at night, then we would suggest, yeah, adding more bond exposure into your portfolio to smooth the ride. That's what bonds are for. And a target retirement fund can do just that. And it can give investors the fortitude, the ability to continue to invest, even while the market's down, even while the economy is going through a difficult time. Basically, the thing that's the most important is having an investment plan that you can stick to no matter what the circumstances are. So yeah, Daniel, there's no easy peasy 4% return that you can get somewhere in the middle between a savings account and the market. I wish there was because that's where I would put all of my intermediate term investments. Right. <laughs> exactly. It'd be nice if that was there. That There's not anything like that. So yeah, having some money in savings is a nice buffer for funds that you need readily on hand. Other than that, you're going to need market exposure in order to grow your money over the long haul to provide for your eventual retirement needs. All right, Daniel, thanks so much for that question. Joel, let's steer it back to the beer. This episode, you and I, we shared a Fog of War, which is a beer by Easy Chair Brewing Garage. Man, what were your thoughts on this one? All right, so our friend Jess dropped this one off at my house. Really excited to have a homebrew because it's been a while since we've had a good homebrew on the show. It has. I got to tell you what, Jess knows what he's doing. I'm not sure if he's brewing with other people or if he's doing it solo. I got to ask him. But the fellas at Easy Chair Brewing Garage are churning out some good beers. This one was not too heavy. I thought the hops were the star here. It was truly a hop forward beer. And those hops shone brightly. It tasted like a perfect summer IPA. One that you'd be happy to drink right after you got done mowing the lawn while still being packed full of hop flavor. So yeah, I really enjoyed this one. Mm, you mentioning a, a summer drinking IPA makes me think of Bell's Too Hearted, which this one kind of reminded me of a little bit. It was very clean, a clean drinking hoppy IPA. Definitely hazy, but it was balanced without a crazy amount of hop funkiness that you tend to associate with New England style IPAs. Well balanced. I really enjoyed this one. Glad uh, you and I got to have this one on the show, buddy. Yeah. So big thanks to Jess for, for dropping this one off, sending this one our way. Yeah. Thank you, Jess. All right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. For folks that want show notes, they can just check out howtomoney.com. We'll have them up there. And everybody knows what we're about to say next, but the reason we say it so often is because it's true. <laughs> and that is, if you haven't already left us a review over in Apple Podcasts, please do so now. It really helps us to get the word out, helps others to find the show who need to be doing smarter things with their money. And thanks in advance. So Joel, that's going to be it for this episode. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mentioned that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work.